Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, what does Bryce Harper bring to the Phillies besides being a five-tool player? Can he bring them a World Series? And is Austin Meadows the next superstar outfielder for the Rays? And how might he help Kevin Kiermeyer stay healthy throughout the season? Blake Snell is asking the Rays to sign closer Craig Kimbrell. How is this being received by them? We've got all that and the Bucks preparing to slap the franchise player tag on Donovan Smith unless they get a deal done by the deadline at 4 p.m. today. We're going to talk to Times writer Eduardo Encina, who's going to join us from Port Charlotte in just a minute. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Verstick here on Sports Day Tampa Bay. Hey, but first... You want to be a millionaire? Well, for 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have brought the cool comfort of air conditioning to the entire Tampa Bay area, making thousands of residents millionaires with their quality products and service. Millionaires currently offering 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment. Give them a call at 727-862-2100 to take advantage of this great offer on brand new train quality air conditioning units or to schedule service or maintenance. Call 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort, millionaire. Eduardo Encina joins us now, my buddy cop, if you follow us on Facebook Live after Bucks games. Hey, man, you've been 10-6 and 10-7 the last month. I don't remember giving you the 10-44, which is permission to leave. You go 10-19 on a location that's other than the Bucks. I don't know what's going on, man. Are you a baseball writer now? You're full-time? You got you doing everything? I miss you, buddy cop. Uh, Buddy cop, I, I got to tell you, I, I don't remember any of the codes anymore. I'm, I'm, out of, uh, I'm out of the loop. Out of what you're saying, uh, dispatch so, can't reach you. So just dispatch can't reach me on on uh, on dispatch on Slack anything. So I'm uh, yeah, I'm all over brutal. the place, man. Well, you are. We've been following you in the Tampa Bay Times. Of course, you're covering baseball. Um, seven years, the beat writer uh, covering the Baltimore Orioles for the Baltimore Sun. Now. You're doing everything for us. So um, I do want to get to baseball here in just a second. Just curious because you did uh, follow the Bucks for a good time uh, this past year. Uh, Donovan Smith is either going to be franchised or they're going to sign him to an extension. A lot of people on Twitter seem to be really down on Donovan <laughs> Smith. I mean, you know the guy. I mean, he's right. maybe he's not an all-pro tackle, but are, are people missing something here or am I missing something about Donovan Smith? Well, I think it's, you know, you're, you're more of a free agency and, and – you know, the, the stuff that we're dealing with right now, uh, franchise tags, all that stuff than I am. But like, you know, I, I think, you know, the old coaching staff had mentioned this in, it, during uh, during the season, which is that, you know, Donovan Smith, Donovan Smith is obviously not a, you know, a flawless player by any means. But, you know, to to replace him and then that's the only thing you got to think of when you're making sure. these these uh, these moves is to replace him. That's what you've got to think about. OK, to get us to a point where we are, you know, we have a left tackle right that's, that's, that's mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's this, at, at this level, um, you know, we've got to, you know, we, that's, that's what goes into the decision. And, you know, uh, I mean, and, you know, that's just the market on those guys. Those, if you're good at that position and, and, and you've been drafted and, and you start mm-hmm. as, as much as he does, you know, and, and yeah. he's the one thing that Donovan's had is he's, 
you know, you, you can count on him every day to be there every week. Like right. I think right. he's been one of the most dirty guys in that aspect. So um, when, when you look at that, and I, I think, you know, if, you, if you've got him, you keep him. Right. Yeah, and yeah. if most of the time at that position. So then the question is, what's it worth? But, um, you know, I really think that, you know, everyone kind of gets caught up in the money. And it's rightfully so because the, the Bucks have so much money invested in so many different ways. You know, it's a, it, that's yeah. maybe that's where the fans are seeing it is, you know, well, well if we're keeping this guy. We're going to give him 14 million. Then how can we keep JPP or how can we keep you know, sure. how, how is it possible to keep Gerald McCoy? You know, all this mm. stuff. And obviously you play Jameis Winston, 21 million. So, you know, mm. the, the numbers add up. And I think that's what the, maybe the fancy. But also, you know, if you're going to replace this guy in free agents in a very, you know, valuable position, you know, wh- right. what are you going to do? Are you going to probably, you're probably going to spend more or you're going to have to spend more or just as much. And you're going to have to put that up in, in, in a longer term deal. And obviously, you know, some of that's not, not you know, uh, guaranteed. You know, you're still, you know, you're, you're kind of starting from, from ground zero. And, yeah, as we all know, you know, when we're talking about this team, you know, if, if you're going to make moves, you've got, you know, you've got, you obviously the, the offensive line had its ups and downs last year, and Donovan Smith had its ups and downs last year. But at the same time, you know, what would you've really got to focus on when you're rebuilding this team is the defense. So, you know, when, when you look at, at uh, what they've really got to do, um, and if you're going to, you know, go out in free agency and spend some money, you know, that, I feel right. that's that's where you got, that's where you got to go, um, and, and not mm-hmm. and, and and keep what you've got, you know. So. I get what the fans, how the fans feel about it too, because um, I, I think they're still going to make some tough decisions there. Um, yep. You know, with with this, with all the we have the, the salaries are figuring out, but you know, uh, you know, I'm with you there, Rick, in terms of the notion that you know it is a, yeah, you know, I, I can see where the fans are coming from, but at the same, time, you when you do these make these decisions, and this is a, you know across sports, you know, if you're letting a guy go, you the next question you've got to make. Next question you got to answer is, you know, how are you going to replace them? Exactly right. And I think that's the key is that they have so many de- needs on defense that you can only use the draft or free agency. Free agency, he would be the number one left tackle probably available, and you would pay yeah. somebody else the same kind of money or more. And if you go into the draft, now you're hostage to that position. You're going to have to find yourself a left tackle or be hostage to an offensive lineman when maybe you want to help other needs, whether that's linebacker or defensive line. So, I mean, I Rick, I know people aren't excited about him, but, you know, they talk about, well, you know, he had so many penalties. I looked it up. He had four holding penalties in over 1,000 snaps. I mean, he wasn't. The, he, was the, he, he didn't have the most holding penalties on that offensive line, so I know that for sure. No, <laughs> he was, like, not even close. He was, like, third or fourth. Right. So, I mean, it's right, funny right. how people – you're facing the number one defensive end on every play, and people get this impression that – Oh, he's lazy, or oh, he's—I just know what they're basing it on. I mean, I—you know—they remember one play against Dallas. Um, you know, I'm sure there are others. But, right. Um, look, Donovan Smith. I can say this is going to be a buck. I wrote today that they plan to franchise yeah. him if they don't have a deal with him by four o'clock uh, today, and that is the deadline to apply the franchise tag. So he's not going anywhere. But they are very optimistic um, as I uh, do this podcast tonight that they might be able to actually reach an extension, which would be more cap friendly. I'm sure. And uh, right. if they can do that, then then that would be that would help them out. So anyway, just want to get your take on that. So you've been uh, all over the place covering baseball, and the biggest story in baseball, of course, we talked to you about this before, but it's finally happened. Bryce Harper signs with the Philadelphia Phillies in the largest contract in the history of Major League Baseball, exceeding what Manny Machado uh, got, of course, uh, with the ten-year deal. Maybe not so much annually, but uh, the total package. So. Um, it's it's interesting to me that that there were times when 
this seemed inevitable, and other times where I felt like the Phillies had to be like, okay, what the hell? Was there right. was there really ever truly a lot of suitors for Bryce Harper? I mean, I saw the Dodgers maybe late. Uh, I mean, is this were they were the Phillies sort of bidding against themselves in some sense here? Yeah, I think it, the big the big question. You know, we went into the, the press conference on on Friday when or Saturday when Bryce was introduced as as a Philly. Um, the big question there was really kind of you know how, how did this whole thing kind of you know what was the narrative here and you know. The one thing that, that that Bryce and his his agents got bored, they were insisted on was a long deal. And you know, I felt that if there were some other teams that really, you know, maybe would give them a higher annual average. I think the Dodgers were one of them. You know, the Giants were in the mix a little bit too. But that you know, when it came down to him, a long term deal, that the Phillies were really the one team that, that stuck out. So. Came to that, I think that maybe there was some, uh, you know, using of some of those other teams to kind of gain leverage a little bit, and um, you know, obviously it's about the money, you know, it's always about the money, but sure. at the same time, you know, I mean, the the commitment that the Phillies gave Bryce in terms of thirteen years, um, yeah. but also that he kind of gave them in the sense of like he didn't want, uh, you know, he didn't want any opt outs, you know, Scott Boris and. Opt out probably about 15 years ago, and you know, maybe Machado has an opt out, I think, after four or five years in his deal with the Padres. And you know, Harper didn't want that, and that was unique in it that, um, you know, that he wanted to be in a place that uh, that he could really kind of stick. And you know, it was actually interesting. One of his questions of his press conference, he said, is that, and this is something that maybe we don't think about when we cover these guys and we, we put these labels on them when they're you know, 16, 18, 19 years old. You know, from the moment Bryce was drafted, he had been asked about, you know, where he was, where he was going to end up, you know, where we're going to be, you know, after he became a free agent, you know, and, and that's, that's actually the kind of thing with, with Manny Machado and, and, you know, that these guys were in a rich free agency at such a young age, right, when they were reaching their, you know, really high, necessarily reached their peak. And, you know, it was a matter of like, oh, he's going to end up with the Yankees, you're going to end up with the Dodgers, the Red Sox, whoever. And so... Um, you know, one thing that he, he said he wanted not have to answer those questions anymore. Now, having said all that, we do know that, you know, the other part of it still got to play out, you know, and, and, and the, if, if the field, the police have gone as all in as you can go. And so, uh, if they don't win and if they don't win soon, uh, you know, the, the Phillies had a really good young core last year and they, they kind of, you know, fell short at the end of the season, but at one point they were first place team nationally geese, but, you know, now they are all like they've gone from a a team that at the beginning of last year was kind of maybe they thought it was kind of a year away just because some of their younger players hadn't really developed yet, but now combine Harper with a lot of other uh, you know acquisitions that really kind of go a little bit unnoticed that they made in the off season. Um, like it's it's win now. It's it's not you know it's not win the division. It's not win the National League. It's win the World Series now. So. That's what comes with that, obviously, is, is the notion of, yeah, we can talk about how it's nice that they gave him the commitment, that he gave them the commitment. But, you know, Philly's not necessarily the easiest place to play. The fans can get on you a little bit. And, you know, if they don't, if, he, if, if the team and Bryce doesn't perform, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But right now, and, and what's really interesting seeing the, uh, you know, the press conference yesterday, the other day, because, you know, you could see how much, you know, Bryce's 
marketability was kind of on display there. He had his Sports mm. Illustrated cover, you know, when he was 16 years old. You know, he had his, yeah. you know, there was a you know, ESPN the magazine. He was like one of the top 100 famous people, famous athletes in the world. You know, and then there was a actually a game show, game video game cover from this game. It will be the show 19 that actually already had him in a Philly uniform. That's to be released. Mm. Um, you know, and, but same time, you know, the, the, the Phillies wanted this guy because they they thought he could he could have to win games. It was really interesting talking to the owner, and it's interesting how owners play a role in this now. You know, basically, you know, Phillies owner John Middleton he he basically recruited uh, Bryce Harper. You know, him and his wife went to Vegas where, where Bryce lives, and you know they took him for dinner. They brought him up gifts. You know, they brought him aprons and vases and stuff like that for him and his wife, and you know, really like put on the the, the full court. I don't think. Um, you know, other owners or other teams, front offices really did. And, you know, that does make a difference, you know, especially when you're, you're at that age, you want to be wanted, you want to be, feel like you have a connection with, with, with where we're going to play. So um, there are a lot of things at play, but at the end of the day, I always, I always kind of thought it was going to be the Phillies when, when um, even going back to, uh, you know, earlier in the, in the off season, if it wasn't going to be him coming back to the Nationals, that it was going to be, that it was going to be the Phillies. And obviously the Nationals couldn't get that deal done. Once he tests free agency, they were going to have to pay a super premium on that. So that it was always going to kind of, kind of, it was always going to kind of end up in, uh, in, in Philly. That they were always going to be kind of the, the lead horse in that race. Well, I mean, John Middleton made no secret of it. He was going to find somebody, uh, whether whether it was Machado or was or was Bryce Harper. But if you look at their ball club, and they were a young team, um, and they've done some other things, as you mentioned. So even if Harper hadn't come, they would have been an improved club. But didn't Philadelphia, as much as any team really in the majors, and certainly when you're in that Northeast market with the Yankees and the Mets and the, um, you know, all, all those, uh, even even Baltimore had Machado last year. Um, didn't right. they need a superstar? I mean, isn't you know baseball has become such a regional sport that that your team needs to identify with a face of each franchise? And I'm not sure I could have told you who was the face of the Phillies franchise, but now they've got one. They've got their superstar. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that, Rick. I think that. Um... You know, they they didn't have that. They probably haven't had that since you know Jimmy Rollins, Chase Utley, those guys uh, sure. uptown. And um, you know, so that that was something that they needed, and, and they were kind of building around youth. And mm-hmm. you know, some of the trades that they've made, they've they've kind of traded some of those prospects away. Uh, you know, they, they made a big deal for JT Real Muto, you know, the All Star catcher who cost them a couple of top level prospects. Um, but mm-hmm. that he was, you know, the top catcher on the market. He was gonna, he was gonna move somewhere, and, and they made that move. You know, they they, yep. they made a move for for Gene Segura, who, you know, I think that's gonna be a really good move for them. They're one of the worst defensive teams in the majors. You know, they they added a, a high quality to shortstop there. And you know, when you talk about baseball, a lot of times you look, talk about, you know, building defensively up the middle. So so you attack yep. that with Real Muto and Segura, and so mm-hmm. uh, and obviously, and then they added uh, you know, Andrew McCutcheon, who isn't necessarily in his prime anymore, but still a really good player. And then David Robertson too, who was all-star closer with the Yankees. So you, they added on a lot of different places, but those aren't guys that really sell tickets. You know, those aren't guys who, you know, you look at and you're like, okay, this, this is who I think of when I think of the Philadelphia Phillies. But now you have that with Bryce Harper, obviously you have that. He's, he's going to be the guy, you know, he's uh, you know, and, 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 and like I said, he's probably one of the most marketable and, you know, familiar faces recognizable faces in the game so um you know they, they do have that now and, and yeah you're right i mean it's, it's competitive up there in, in that corner in the northeast you know whether you're going from dc up to boston you know you, and 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 
you're you're, you're competing for fans or competing for um, the back page, just, right? the, the back yeah, page. yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the page of, of papers and everything like that. So um, it was interesting. I mean, I, I think one of the things that the Phillies did to recruit Bryce was that they they put together this uh, kind of video to show him, and they had uh, Dr. J in it. They had uh, mm-hmm. Brian Dawkins in it and stuff like that. Like all these Phillies. Are these sure. Philadelphia, uh, you know, people that you, you we all connect with Philadelphia, right? Yeah, icons, mm-hmm. and so, you know, like, that was kind of a part of this. Like, you can be, you can be the next one. So, um, you know, I thought that was a really interesting caveat to it. And, uh, but yeah, they've got their man, and he's going to be the face of the franchise for the next, you know, thirty years. And um, you know, wins or losses, I, I think that he he didn't guarantee that they're going to. Series next year, you know, he's like, it might not happen now. It might never happen, <laughs> you know. But but you know, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to promise that I'm going to give it my all to to make sure it does happen. So, uh, but yeah, it, it's interesting because it's uh, they, they become a lot more relevant, obviously, and on the on the, oh, on the yeah. major league baseball in a lot of ways, not just as a as a as a contender on the field, but all this fact that you know they are, you know, the brand has risen. You know, the, the brand is the Phillies brand and. And and uh, everything that, that that holds has risen because of that. Yeah, and when there's an opportunity uh, down the road for other free agents to consider teams, they'll look at the Phillies now and say, well, yeah. Bryce Harper went there, and, and if they can afford him, whether that's even Mike Trout or whoever, although I know you know the Angels right. probably try to exceed that, but it, it, is, it just legitimized them, and um, I think it's pretty interesting. He had one neat thing that I thought was kind of cool that – I don't know, you know, there, I mean, Bryce Bryce has got this sort of persona about him that uh, I'm sure if he's on your team, you love him. If you don't, you probably hate him. But one thing I thought was thoughtful was his uh, reason for wearing number three. Explain that to us. Yeah, and obviously he, we wore number 34 when he was uh, with the Nationals. and uh, But obviously with the Phillies, you know, that, that number was worn by Roy Halladay. And, uh, you know, he, and he, he really did, you're right. He, he did a good, uh, you know, point of an of it is, that, you know, he wanted that to be, you know, always number. And, and he wanted, you know, that, that, that's, you know, that number in a Philadelphia Phillies uniform is, is royalty. And that's what it meant. Um, that he, he, he's going to wear three. Uh, and, uh, he, I think he was considering seven, I think, cause, I think he grew up a bit like Mickey Mantle was really big in their family. Um, they were big fans. And, mm-hmm. uh, but, um, you know, but yeah, I, I thought it was really kind of a, a very nice and also, you know, younger guy, self-aware thing to do, you know, um, very much so. that, that, that he decided that and made a point of it, you know, in an introductory press conference that, that explained that he wasn't going to wear 34 and that, that it was, uh, you know, he, he wanted it to be, to belong to the last, he wanted it was important for him that Halliday was the last one to, to wear that. And did that on the same field, I believe, where Roy Halliday's uh, funeral service was held, as a matter of fact, yeah. there uh, in Clearwater. So that was that was touching. Uh, another story that you wrote, you've, of course, been uh, around the race quite a bit uh, during this spring mm-hmm. training. And I'm I'm constantly fascinated uh, by, by this race team and, and the expectations that are around them. But one of the reasons why they have them is their outfield and the young guys that they've had? Well, not so so young. Obviously, Kiermaier and now Tommy Pham, who who kicked around in the minors for nine years, so he's in his thirties, right. obviously. Uh, but then they then they bring up a guy last year at the end of the season um, who everybody has known, and he was part of the Chris Archer deal in Austin Meadows, who looks like he could be their everyday right fielder. 
Um, just curious when you when you got to talk to this guy and and dig dig deeper. Um, he he's got superstar written all over him, but some injuries right. and some other things. He might have been up here sooner in the majors, uh, do, doing big things, had it not been for for some setbacks, right? Right, and, and just to take a step back for a second, is I remember seeing Austin Meadows in a, I think two years ago during spring training in a B game in Sarasota. So the B games are you know, for those who don't, sure. believe, you know, a, another game that that is not a main grapefruit, grapefruit league game, but they play in the backfields and you know just against innings. Sometimes it's it's made to give us a pitcher who's coming off injury or whatever some more innings but not necessarily in a game. So uh, I remember seeing Austin Meadows in a game against the Orioles uh, two years ago. And I right away, there, there's certain guys who just like, when you see them, they just stand out. And, you know, I remember mm-hmm. seeing Aaron judge in spring training several years ago. And obviously he stands out a different way because he's the biggest guy in the field, but you know, there's certain guys who kind of stand out and I'm not going to bite any means. Like, you know, and, and this, and he was that kind of guy. And, and just a, kind of this, this, the way he plays, the speed, the way he can hit, you know, he runs, uh, the way he can cover ground, and you know, it, it makes you take notice. And obviously, you know, from the Rays' perspective, this, this, uh, this trade, the guy in three for former first round picks, you know, is going to be evaluated yeah. by how these guys do, you know, in, in the not too distant future. And and a big part of that is Meadows because he, um, you know, he, he's a guy who. Has had the opportunity now to play big league level, and uh, like you said, he he's been a little bit hamstrung by injuries, literally, like hamstring injuries and uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, oblique injuries, stuff like that. Some, some of those baseball injuries that are kind of tough to shake, you know, especially mm-hmm. if, if you get them at, at the wrong time of the year. So, uh, but but right now, it, it, I mean, the, the Rays are treating it as as though that you know that right field position is pretty much his to uh, to earn on 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 a you know, regular basis. Uh, but at the same time, you know, one thing that, that Kevin Cash was talking about was that, you know, he's also kind of got to improve a little bit on his defense. And um, it, it's it's interesting because, you know, this guy's a five-tool guy. He probably might be one of the fastest guys on the field. But um, so you, you automatically think, well, yeah, he's got to be a good defender, right? Just because he can cover that kind of ground. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Um, yeah, I think the thing that they're really working on with spring training is, uh, you know, really, you know, becoming a, a better defender just from instinctually a first step, you know, mm-hmm. almost almost not even looking at you know, one of the things that you were talking about was like, the, you know, when, when you see the ball, run to it, you know, run and, to and the then, spot, you know, right? You, not not right, follow the ball run, yeah. the whole time, yeah, right, run, yeah, run to the spot, and then you find the ball, right. And then, and then, you, and then that's that's to uh, you kind of corral it. So um, that's one thing that that's a, a big thing that they're working on in spring training with him. But, but I mean, there's no doubt this kid can hit. You know, there's no doubt. I mean, already, um, I think for his first five hits were all extra base hits, uh, two mm-hmm. homers and, and three and three doubles. So uh, and, and he's been a guy who's who's consistently. I think it's his fourth spring training. 
big league spring training. Like he's a guy who always hits during spring training. So like I said, I remember seeing him many times. Girls and, and, and pirates would play all the time because they're and uh, and I remember seeing this guy for the past three four years. And like this guy's going to be in the major leagues, and he's a really good player. So um, interesting because you know that that. that outfield like you gotta you gotta play good like high quality defense to make it you know i mean mm-hmm. uh you know obviously you got kiermaier there is a platinum glove winner a time family really good defender and, and and over the years they've had really good defenders uh play out there you know whereas carlos gomez steven souza you know, all these guys it, it's their value in a premium place on defense in that um that's what he's going to have to kind of show but and, and also too one one thing that, that they've been Trying him out as is at, at the top of the lineup too. So, um, you know, a lot of interesting. It's a really interesting time for him because, you know, he, he's getting an opportunity. You know, possibly an opportunity to lead off, uh, to to play right day on a consistent basis. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see. He's he's probably the, the most more interesting guys in camp. I think, you know, for a kid who was a first round pick and has kind of been seen a little bit of the ups and downs, even though he doesn't necessarily have a huge amount of big league experience, you can kind of tell from talking to him a little bit that that. That he kind of gets it, so um, I, I think that you know he'll have a good spring, and you know he'll he'll be a, a really big part of this team moving forward. Uh, you know, probably sooner than later. So, um, yeah. like it's I said, inter- a pretty interesting kid. It's interesting that you know you you mention, um, and you're right. His bat is the thing that that stands out, but also his speed. He can run the bases. He's fast. But it hasn't translated to the outfield just yet. And, and of course, at right. the trop, I'd be afraid to take my eye off the ball, too, because very often you could lose it in that roof. And so a sure. lot of guys sure. that start to play there probably do that. But but regardless of that, if if Austin Meadows is the, becomes the outfielder they think he can become and you have a guy like Tommy Pham in left field, we talked to Ozzie Timmons about this. I'll just get your opinion. I asked him, how does Kevin Kiermaier play more games? And he goes, because the guys on either side of him are better outfielders. Explain right. how that could right. help Kiermaier. Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, as a center fielder, your job is to cover the most ground you can, right? So, sure. sure. Uh, it's, so, you know, and, and I've, I actually saw this, you know, at a different level when you see a guy who gets older and then, you know, the, mm-hmm. those corner spots become more important covering Adam Jones, Baltimore's, you know, there's a good defender. Metrics didn't necessarily love him all the time, but over the course right. of the time getting older, the, he gets a little bit more exposed if he's playing around, uh, you know, lesser defenders at those corner spots. So, um, That's right. you know, That's right. then, then, you know, he, he, you don't have to necessarily, you know, and, and part of his peace of mind for a guy like Kiermaier, especially coming off, you know, the season that, you know, what obviously was a frustrating season for him, um, mm-hmm. with injuries and everything, but, you know, you know that around him that he doesn't have to, uh, you know, cover a certain, of, you know, the, the layer of ground that, that maybe he, he usually has to, uh, mm-hmm. and that's also, you know, it preserves you physically, it preserves you mentally, you know, maybe you're not, you know, going full force on a ball. You maybe you're not even crashing into a wall, trying to crash into a wall when you'll need to, with, if you can trust that that's Tommy right. Pham and, and Austin Meadows can, 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 uh, can cover around you. So, uh, there's mm-hmm. so much to it that, that, um, that, and, 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 you know, talking to Kiermaier the other day, you know, you mentioned that is that, you know, one thing that, that I think that he's trying to take last year is that, you know, and I think he wants to do this at the plate and also in the field, is that, you know, he, he had a couple balls that were struck the other day when, when I was covering one of the games. and uh, You know, he was talking about how, you know, he seems to stop swinging out of his shoes, you know. And, yeah, you know, yeah, maybe sometimes yeah. less is more. And he, he struck a couple balls nice the other way. And, and 
you know, mm-hmm. it, it kind of goes to show, you know, maybe you don't have to, you know, swing so hard and try to pull everything. Maybe you don't have to, you know, go slam it into every wall you can or make every dive when it's not something like that. So um, I think I think he's kind of, you know, growing a little bit in, into a guy who, who understands that, you know, maybe not, you don't want to say less is more because it suggests that, you know, like you're not trying as hard, but, you know, just knowing that like every single play, maybe there's other ways to do it rather than, you know, physically putting such a pull on your body because this is a 162 game schedule and, and you're just in the what third third or fourth week of spring training. And, and think about that kind of stuff already this time of year, how you're going to preserve your body, especially guys who come off of injuries. So, you know, for a guy like him, and I think the biggest piece is a peace of mind. You know, he knows that the guy around him would be able to do their job and cover ground. And you see that, you know, when you look at it from the press box, you look at it from the upper deck, that's one thing that's going to suck about not having the upper deck in, in the trap. is like, you can look at that outfield, you can see how much ground he covers. You know, you can mm-hmm. see uh, how, how much he does. And then, you know, you can also see, you can almost, almost put like little circles around the areas of how where guys play and how much ground they can cover when you look at it from the top. But, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's so important those around you uh, for a center fielder. And, you know, also for a kid like Meadows, knowing that, you know, he's playing next to, I'm going to cover a whole lot of ground. You know, that's kind of helping you as a young kid. Yeah. As long as they don't run into each other, that's going to be great. But you're right. <laughs> right, I think, right. I, th- I think at Kiermaier, the less is more. I mean, people that, um, you know, every other sport, I think, whether it's basketball or football, or at least the ones that I played, um, and I didn't play football, but I've covered it a while. I think the I think more effort actually helps you. I think you right. know that's the one thing you can control. You know, um, you can play great defense if you're in basketball. Right. If you can't, if right. you're not making shots, you can you can play harder in football. Um, but in baseball, you really do don't want to try harder. You you want to be able to find that happy medium where you're relaxed up there because the, believe me, the harder you swing, the less you're going to hit the ball and you know square it up. And, and I right. think that's, you know, that's maturity. And the other thing is, too, and you know this, Eduardo, that if your team's counting on you for more than 100 games or 60 games or whatever you're giving them every year, you're more valuable just by being out there than you are for any singular play. I mean, there's never going to be yeah. a play in a game out of 162 unless it's game seven of the World Series or something, uh, you know, in the postseason that, that is going to do or die with, with – you diving or crashing into a wall. I mean, all that effort is great, but if you have kind of an understanding, I think Kiermaier has gotten there because now he has the label of being injury prone and he can't, he can't argue against that. The, the, the facts are there. He doesn't play enough games um, to, to really combat that le- that label. But I think now he understands, you know what, I'm, I'm a major league player and, and when I'm on the field and I'm healthy, when I'm not battling a wrist injury at the plate, when I'm not doing all these other things, I'm a pretty good major league player. You know, right. and it's and just that, a matter and, of, of him fi- figuring that out, you know. Yeah, so much so much of surviving a 162-game season is, is preservation. And, and Absolutely. It's, and it's this, 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 you know, understanding your value maybe when, you know, when you're not doing the best, but also knowing sure. that you're getting to a point where, you know, you can perform at a certain level without feeling your best. But also making mm-hmm. sure you don't get to a point where, you know, Buck Walter always used those things, like, are you, was, are you hurt or are you injured? You know, yes. and... And, and there's a difference between the two. And, and over the course, I mean, no one, it's just like football, like basketball, hockey, anything. You know, no one's 100% after that first, you know, week of, of no. you know, practices or, or spring training or whatever it is. Games, but, yeah. it's all about, but it's all about preservation and understanding that, you know, whether you're, you know, the top hitter of the team, the best defender, whether, you know, even a utility infielder, that your value is to be in the lineup. You know, your value is being 
in that role. You know, I mean, I covered Chris yeah. Davis for a long time, and, and you know, he's he's obviously had a, a lot, lot of struggles, but he still had a with a lineup, you know, even if he was going to strike 200 times in a game or you know, maybe not very well, he still does have a value because someone does have to, the opposing team has to account for you, whether you're not hitting, whether you are hitting, whatever you're doing. So, you know, there's, there's that preservation sense. And, you know, it, the team I covered in Baltimore, a lot of them, uh, you know, the, the things under Buck Showalter was that, you know, you played every day, you know, and, and some of these guys kind of had this, it was almost like a badge of honor when you played in 162 games. All the guys did that. Adam Jones, Chris Davis, Machado, Jonathan Scope. They all were able to at least one, at one point in their career play 162 games. But that does wear on you. And that is actually one oh, thing that, 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 that when you when we're talking about this, that I think this Rays team really has. You know, There's a couple teams in the division. I think in a, Rays and the Yankees right now, when you look at them, they've got a really good amount of depth. And... You know, it, it, and I think that'll really help these teams. And it'll be sometimes it's, it's it's difficult to kind of qualify that, you know, in terms of wins and losses. But sure, and maybe you know you, you won't have this guy who's a star player, you know, because he and maybe he doesn't have the numbers that a guy who's playing 158 games is playing because he's only playing 140. But you know, over the course of that season, I think those two teams are really kind of putting them in a really good situation in terms of that kind of depth, a lot of moving pieces. Uh, you know, the, the Rays of you know, so many guys who can play different positions in the infield um, and, and, and and even in the outfield, too. So um, those guys are so valuable and they're so valuable as far as keeping, you know, other guys on the roster healthy and and also in the lineup at the same time, you know, when they need to be. Yeah, really. Uh, I think you see that in September. Uh, where mm-hmm. the team was able to get stronger because uh, because that's where you really feel those games add up. I'll get you out on this one. Blake Snell, Cy Young Award winner. He's got a little gravitas mm-hmm. now uh, with the Rays, <laughs> and he spoke out, which is something that, uh, quite frankly, uh, not a lot of players have really done other than Chris Archer, and maybe for the same sure. reason that they, they just didn't have that, that sort of uh, platform, if you will. But he's kind of lobbying for the Rays to get uh, Craig Kimbrell uh, to name one guy as a closer who's a free agent now, of course, former Red Sox closer. What did you make of that? And do you, do you think that, uh, what, what are, what is the plan right now for the Rays as far as uh, closing? Is it Jose Alvarado or what are they going to do here? Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, I think, you know, Blake Snell probably has, has, has earned his opportunity to kind of say, say a little bit given the, the season sure. he's coming off of obviously, but um, it's interesting because, you know, not to you guys, you don't necessarily find the guys who do, uh, you know, go off script. And, and you know, when I read in, in Mark Topkin's piece the other day, it was, it was pretty interesting to see. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it makes a very valid point. And obviously, you know, it's interesting because, you know, uh, you know, you do get a closer. So you do sign in terms of, is he still a closer or is he an opener? <laughs> you know, um, because, you right. know, the guy that they had in, in, in that position last year for most of the year was Sergio Romo. And, he kind of filled that, you know, that opener role for, for initially, it was initially for a good chunk um, of, of their time doing that. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you always want to have, uh, you know, anytime you can get a, a lockdown arm like Craig Kim, not only has been one of the best closers, but, you know, is coming off of, you know, winning a, a World Series. You, know, you can duplicate the experience that a guy like that can add just in terms of being a winner, you know, and then sometimes people don't necessarily understand that of like, but, but but it does matter, you know. A guy who's been, been like we said, we, we talk about teams that that, that are, are are built to win, uh, whether it's roster wise or just players on it, and, and and that's a big part. I think something that he that's something added that he adds, other than 
just the stuff and you know obviously the, the he has and you know it, it seems that, that he's still kind of holding out and trying to wait for I think that extended uh, you know long term deal. Um, it was just interesting because you know even though the market was pretty slow you know this off season, the one thing that and pretty big run on was really, and you know and I think that Kimball's probably looking for more of the four or five year deal, but you know you you there was a lot of spend on on you know guys who were late inning relievers on three year deals, and you know a lot of those guys have got money. You know, I mean the Yankees went out and got uh, you know Zach they re-signed Zach Britton for three years and uh, signed Adam Odovino for you know, three years. So you know maybe guys aren't getting the you know five years that he wants, but you know people are still signing for for three years. Um, but yeah, I mean, right now, I mean I think. It was interesting because I remember the, the opening press conference that the Rays had is that, you know, they feel like they have guys who can fill that role. And, and maybe it's the way that they're looking at things from, you know, the beginning of the game and set to the end of the game with the opener strategy. But, you know, they feel that, you know, the guys like Jose Alvarado and, and, and Diego Castillo can, can fill those kind of roles. And obviously those are, those are both two really young guys, you know, 23 and 24, I think, um, who are putting in those situations. But um, so – you know, then the question is, why wouldn't you want to have a guy like like Kimbrell instead of necessarily putting you know, those kind of guys into those high leverage roles? And you know, I think their thing is like, well, where's the leverage? You know, and obviously, there's there's no question that the ninth inning maps. Um, and 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 like I think I think that's what kind of Blake was saying is that you know that you know if you had a guy like this, how much it makes you and how how it adds to your options as well. You know, if you don't use him necessarily in ninth inning all the time, maybe you use him whenever you want to. But having that that arm in the bullpen uh you know like we talk about when you account for things you obviously have to account for that um and you know one thing that i actually you know just on that same point is one thing i'm working on for i think later in the week is something on you know from the kimbrell's perspective you know uh yeah i actually went and talked to a couple of, of, of pitchers who were in this situation last year and a reliever is a little bit different but i went and talked to alex cobb and jake arietta who are two of the guys mm-hmm. who basically held out and held out is probably a bad word because it makes it sound like like they were just you know, they were left out for, is what for, they were, right, they were kind of, yeah, yeah they, they were kind of <laughs> left out um yeah. and, and 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 just kind of uh, one year later what they learned from that whole process and mm-hmm. you know uh and, and both of those guys were really point they're really two really smart and thoughtful guys first off but you know i, I kind of asked you know, like what, what would you tell your version of yourself now, you know, your right. version of yourself last year, that would you tell him now? And, and, um, you know, Cobb, who obviously, you know, came up to raise has really, you know, made for himself with raise. You know, he was talking about how, you know, he just really underestimated the value of spring training. And so many guys, mm-hmm. when you become a veteran, you learn that spring training is, you think spring training is like, it's too long. You know, let's just get the season yeah. started. I already have my, my bats, my innings. I, I'm ready. You know, by, by mm-hmm. mid-March, most guys are ready to get out of there. But for a guy like that, I mean, he it was interesting because I actually watched his first live batting practice uh, mm-hmm. down in Sarasota. And first pitch, first time walking, you know, pitching against live hitters, and a guy hits a ball straight to him, almost takes off his head, you know. Oh, and then at that point, it's like, all right, all right, like, now I make the adjustments. Now I know how my stuff right now is playing against major league hitters. You know, mm. I know now. Whereas for Alex Cobb last year, he didn't get that feeling when he got thrown into the fire his first start at Fenton Park in, in mid-April. 
and he got lit up, mm. you know. And so, you know, for and Arietta said the same thing. It's like it doesn't benefit anyone for any of these guys to, you know, like the pitchers need to be in, the teams need need to sign them, and you know, uh, you know, it, it doesn't benefit anyone, whether it's the team or the player, to 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 be out there. And really, you know, when you think of the names now, especially with the pitchers right now, it's it's pretty much Dallas Keuchel and Kimbrel, and Keuchel is obviously a starter, Kimbrel is obviously a reliever. Relievers don't necessarily need that many innings. It's 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 more of a you know, get a couple innings, maybe do a back to back, you know, maybe do an extended inning at an up and down, something like that. But you know, but still for these guys, you know, these guys, these two guys I talked to, you know, they'll tell you you know how valuable spring training is. And there are certain aspects of it that you really can't duplicate, and so so those are really you know some things are really interesting to hear. And you know, from from Kimbrel's perspective, you know. He's got to eventually ask himself. And both of those guys got the money they wanted down the line, obviously, but they had to wait for it. But you know, I, I'm sure Kimbrel has to ask, you know, at what point, uh, you know, do I, you know, is, is what I want and what I need, uh, you know, not benefiting me as as a player, especially in the 2019 season. Interesting story. You can read that Eduardo Encina and Tampa Bay dot com and Tampa Bay Times. Buddy, you got to get ten ten off duty so we can go to La Terracia and get you a Cuban sandwich, man. Oh yeah, man, that's those those good old days. It seems like so long ago. Like I said, I don't, I don't even I don't know the codes. I don't know anything, man. I'm just I feel like I I feel like I need to go back to the academy or something. <laughs> well, you've been in another precinct for quite a while, man. You got to get back here, Eduardo. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate all the help. Anytime, buddy. I'll talk to you later. Always great to catch up with Eduardo Encina. Of course, uh, enjoy his work in the Tampa Bay Times, both covering the Bucks and now, of course, doing baseball, which he did, of course, for seven years in Baltimore. Uh, tonight, the Lightning are back at it. They host the Winnipeg Jets at Emily Arena. And, of course, before that is the NFL franchise and transition player tag deadline at 4 p.m. We'll know whether, in fact, the Bucks go ahead and tag Donovan Smith for that uh, $14 million plus dollars, or do they reach a long-term agreement? I'm told as we take this podcast, they're very optimistic. They might get an extension, so they might have not have to use that player tag, uh, but they are prepared to make him the franchise player if that doesn't happen. If they come to a long-term deal before the 4 p.m. deadline, what are the mm-hmm. odds the Bucks would franchise tag either Quan Alexander or Adam Humphreys? Well, I don't think they're good, um, only because it's such an exorbitant amount of money. You have to guarantee that player a one-year contract worth the average of the top five players at that position. So if you're talking about receiver, you're at $16 million. Adam Humphreys is not going to be guaranteed that, obviously. I think he's asking or was asking for about half of that uh, going into the season. And Quan Alexander, I'm not sure what the franchise tag is, but I think it's considerably higher than what they would be willing to, to pay him, especially with that ACL injury. So I don't think that they would franchise anybody else. They've only used the franchise tag three other times in the history of the team. Um, so it's not something that they generally use. And they want to not have to use it, I think, because once you offer that one-year contract for, say, in this case, Donovan, over $14 million, it then becomes very hard to negotiate off of that because he's already got a guaranteed, you know, sort of $14 million um, going to be paid to him. So you're starting there as opposed to maybe a lesser, more cap-friendly number. So we'll see um, just how this goes. But uh, I think the Bucks are, are uh, pretty optimistic about the direction of their talks. And, and it is possible they have until, you know, July, mid-July, I think, um, to to sign Donovan even after a franchise tag. You can still sign him to a long-term deal rather than to the franchise. So we'll see how that all plays out. Those are great questions, though. 
I, again, I still tend to think they're optimistic, but they're most definitely going to use the tag if they can't get it done by 4 p.m. The Rays, meanwhile, are uh, have a split squad today. They're going to be at the Twins, and then they also are going to host the USF Bulls, which is always a great opportunity uh, for that uh, that team to go down and play, uh, of course, the Rays there in a split squad game. So we've got lots uh, coming up, of course, uh, not just t- tomorrow, but uh, this week as well. Hey, remember, uh, if you're looking for an air conditioning company, you got lots of choices out there. I'm going to tell you where you should go, though. You should go see my friends at Millionaire. Howard and Sue Million have done this for 30 years in the Tampa Bay area, and right now they're offering 0% interest for 72 months on their qualifying train, air conditioning equipment, and service. Uh, please schedule a visit with them and give them a call. It's 727-862-2100. Trust the masters of comfort, Millionaire. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. Mm-hmm.